Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin. And today I am not joined by my partner, Ed Hunt, unfortunately. Uh, We're going to be doing things a little bit differently today. Um, But before we get into all that, I just wanted to say... Happy holidays and happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I hope you get to spend some quality time with your family, get to eat some great food, but most importantly, you're watching some great football. Uh, I know we have a matchup for the ages this week between Andy Dalton and none other than Tim Boyle. And maybe this is the first time ever that the Lions don't get their butt handed to them on Thanksgiving. But like I said, being the holidays and... uh. Being Thanksgiving, we we did things a little bit differently this week, and we just got a couple of great interviews in store for you. This first interview, we got lucky enough to get a Wyoming Cowboys wide receiver, Aiden Eberhart. Before we get into that, I just want to say thank you so much for taking your time out uh, to be on the show, Aiden. And Ed, thank you for taking the time out to interview, and I uh, really appreciate you. And, you know, next week we're definitely going to be able to get back to this uh, to the regular show. But like I said, being the holidays, we, we just wanted everybody to get some quality family time in. But we'll be back at it next week. But without any further ado, I'm going to let Ed and Aiden take over. We'd like to welcome Aiden Eberhart to the show. How are you doing, Aiden? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. What made you choose Wyoming? So, back in the day, um, you know, since I'm a super senior technically, <laughs> um, you know, I uh, took a couple visits to a couple different schools and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, my lifelong dream was always to be going to one, um, just like any other kid playing football. But, um I went to Wyoming's, you know, game day visit, and um, I remember sitting down at the table and all the coaches talking about, you know, all the higher recruits and kind of kind of scholarship kids. And uh, there was one, you know, one or two coaches in particular that came up to me and they asked me, you know, hey, how you doing? Like, I heard about your game. They knew my stats from the last couple of weeks. Um, and just kind of talked to me from there and kind of, you know, made me, made me feel at home. Uh, was also able to talk to Coach Bull, and I thought that was awesome. Um, he's a really straight-up guy, um, and he tells you exactly, exactly, you know, what he thinks of you and um, the type of player that you are and the type of player that he's looking for. So to hear him talk to me about – um, what I have to do to be, you know, the player that he's looking for or the player that I could become um, was awesome. But, uh, you know, most importantly, uh, seeing a lot of the fans in Wyoming um, when, I went, when I went up to the game day visit was awesome. Um, we went to the gas station and a couple different stores, you know, throughout Laramie. And there was just, you know, Wyoming – uh, stickers, hats, everyone wearing Wyoming stuff and pumped up about the game and everything like that. So everyone was just really pumped up about it. And, you know, that's that's what kind of drew me in at first. And then uh, also on top of that, Coach uh, A.J. Cooper, he used to be the defensive end coach there, but he was my area recruiter. He would call me every night at probably 10 o'clock at night and, uh, you know, just kind of, talk about how my day was, you know, what's going on in my life and then football. And, um, you know, he just kept up, kept up with me, you know, throughout high school and, um, you know, having that sense of them, you know, being interested was, was just great. And, you know, even though it was a preferred walk on spot, um, I knew that exactly right then and there when I went on my game day visits, that's where I wanted to be. And uh, those are the coaches that I wanted to be around and the coaches that I thought would be able to take me places that I uh, wanted to be. So, Can you give us an update on your ACL? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is uh, right ACL and uh, meniscus. I know it's medial meniscus. I really don't know exactly um, if it's um, repairable or if it's uh, – I think it, they call it meniscusectomy, um, where they take it out all the way. But um, the uh, surgeon, you know, I've got surgery on Monday. Surgeon, um, he did a MRI on the left 
uh, knee, and they're going to take from the left patella and use that as my right ACL. And the left patella, or the patella in general, is a tendon that is, uh, you know, going to grow back throughout time and that sort of deal. So, you know, looking forward to uh, that surgery on Monday. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's day one. And that's the first thing, you know, I've been talking to my family, um, you know, calling them every day and kind of, kind of had a countdown here with uh, when surgery is. And (laughs) that's uh, what I've been looking forward to the most, Um, you know, just to get done with surgery. And then um, that's day one start of rehab. And from there, from then on um, the journey, the journey and the process starts to get back. With your ACL and just kind of that transition to the NFL, do you have another year of eligibility? Um, I do not. So this was my last year of college. Um, so I don't have another year year of college ball. But, uh, you know, the plan is to maybe hopefully make pro day um, if that's on the table. And if not, you know, I hope that uh, my film can talk for itself and uh, that, you know, teams can – look at uh not only my wide receiver film but you know uh my special teams film um not a lot of not a lot of wide receivers are uh i guess able or willing to play special teams you know running down and you know knocking a dude out um the stereotype is the wide receiver is you know kind of soft and you know that kind of thing so i hope that that can kind of set me apart but the plan is you know definitely to you know, maybe make a pro day. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to cut by then, but uh, maybe do a couple things here or there. Um, but most importantly, all I want is a chance and an opportunity um, at a camp. And I think that uh, that's definitely what I'm looking for, and I should be 100% and uh, able to cut, you know, full go by then. So that's that's definitely – definitely in the plan and uh that's that's what i'm hoping for and uh, that's what i'm looking for every day to get back to what other roles can you play on special teams yeah so um uh i guess kind of a younger age uh in college i uh started on all special teams um whether it was on kickoff return on the front line running back and blocking a linebacker um it was it was that or it was running down on kickoff or punt and knocking a dude out or, you know, <laughs> I like to bring it up just because it's Fort Collins and I don't, I don't know if you're a huge fan of them or not, but uh, against CSU uh, a couple of years back on kickoff, I ran down and smacked the kickoff return guy and he fumbled and I think, uh, you know, that, that played a big role in that game and that started the game off big to where the energy was there, everyone was hyped up and, uh, you know, I like to uh, try to be a spark and a player that can play wherever. Um, in New Mexico, I played a little bit of Wildcat quarterback. I think that was probably three or four years ago. Um, but I played a little bit of wild, Wildcat quarterback, and we were able to kind of give them a taste of their own medicine because they used to like the like to run the option all the time, and we ran an option play, and I was able to read it out and pitch it, and we, got, we scored a touchdown off of it. So I like to – I like to think that, um, you know, a team could look at me as not only a wide receiver, but someone that can fill a role and is willing to fill a role of whether it's special teams or, you know, any way possible to help a team out. So obviously you can't practice day-to-day with your ACL, but what's an area of route running that you're working on? Um, An area of route running is, you know, always releases. Um, I think any receiver would probably say that. you gotta you gotta understand your corner that you're going up up against or the DB that you're going up against um, by being able to release off of you know man to man pressure and uh, coverage and getting past them and winning the route right away and then obviously late when you need you uh, need to get open too but uh, I think uh, releasing has been uh, a lot that I've been working on um, you know even if I'm just watching you know, film from my games, from NFL games, um, just getting creative with it and being able to see, you know, what works, what doesn't work um, against what coverages, you know, this or that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of studying has been 
um, taking place and going on to where, you know, I'm still, I mean, obviously I'm still soon and I try to watch different receivers, you know, Julio, uh, huge fan of Adam Thielen, um, you know, just the way that he runs routes and how he, you know, sees coverages and can um, kind of adapt his route to what coverage it is because, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, our wide receiver coach, my grant always says this to us, but uh, we know what route we're running and we know where we have to be when we have to be and the DB doesn't. So a lot of it is um, kind of making the DB thinking it's something that it's not. And um, uh, at the end of the day, whether you're open or whether it's a 50-50 ball coming down with it. So always working on the hands and on the jugs machine. Um, you know, I think that's something that I've been able to work on a lot, um, especially with my ACL and all that all that stuff out right now. I've been able to work on the jugs machine and work on my hands. And then, like I said, also um, releases and setting film and all that kind of stuff too. Do you plan to add weight? I know you're kind of, you know, under 200 right now, or at least like last time I checked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. So <clears throat> I'm probably around six two. Um, probably about you know started the season around 198, and I'm probably around 192 right now. I think especially with recovery and everything like that, that's going to give me some more kind of time here to work on my diet. And then obviously with recovery, work on um, where I'm gaining weight back from surgery and whatnot. But uh, the plan is to get about 200, 205. Um, so I'll be sitting about six two 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 oh five two hundred there. What's your forty time like? What's the best time you've you know uh, gotten? Yeah, um, so I think my best time was it was around four. It was either high four fours or low 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 like four five flat. So I guess it kind of depends on who you ask or who was timing it, but uh, high, really high four, four or high four fours or really, really, really low as in four, five flat 40. Where can you, and, excel? you know, we, with uh, the season and everything, you know, we don't really test forties a lot. So that, could, that was probably almost a, a full year ago. Where can you excel at the combine or the pro day? You know, if you're invited to the combine or just at your pro day or whether mm -hmm. they give you a special pro day or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I think speed is definitely there. Um, I mean, if you look at all the successful wide receivers in the NFL, you can always say, you know, Jerry Rice ran, he didn't, I think it was a four, six or a four, seven, something in there. Um, and he's probably one of the best receivers. That's not the best receiver to ever play the game. But in, in the same breath, I do think that uh, my speed is a little bit uh, slept on. Um, also, my vertical and my three-cone shuttle, so the 5-10-5 or, or whatever, the, uh, yeah, the vertical for sure, too, is definitely in something that uh, I think I can excel in a lot. And then the broad jump on top of that. Who's a receiver you model your game after? Uh, 100%, I would say Adam Thielen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think uh, his speed is a little bit slept on as well. But uh, if you look in, I mean, I've listened to so many of the YouTube videos, you know, him talking about his route and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, he's really, his, his football IQ is really good. And um, it's actually almost unbelievable. And then on top of that, the way that he's able to run routes and um, in the end, no matter what, coming down with a 50-50 ball, um, he's really good at contested catches and finding a way to catch the ball uh, no matter what. And that's uh, definitely something that I've been trying to model my game around a lot. And uh, I think that I'm similar in that, in that aspect. Well, Aiden, thanks for being on the show. Good luck with your pro day, okay? Hey, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you so much, Aiden. Uh, once again, I really appreciate you taking the time out to be on the show. Uh, hopefully we can get you again on soon. I really appreciate your time. Before we get into this next interview, I wanted to uh, touch up on a topic real quick, 
and that is Cincinnati. Cincinnati is finally in the top four for the college football rankings, and I cannot explain to you how excited I am. And I know Ed is jumping out of his boots right now. If Ed was here right now, he would be giggling. I I, I already know it. Uh, we've been we've been talking about how bad we want them to be in the playoffs since you know since we've taken over. So. This is something that we're really looking forward to as long as they hold on to it, which I, I'm expecting them to win out. You know, they got lucky this week with with some big losses. So I really think that they will be in the in the college football playoffs. And this is this is an awesome thing to see. Finally, a non power five school getting their way into the college football playoffs. So this is I mean, this is literally history that we're witnessing. And I, I always love to see stuff like this. You know, speaking of college football, uh, this this leads us into our next interview, and this is going to be with Ian Cummings, who is a uh, draft prospect guru. This this guy really knows what he's talking about. I really appreciate his insight, and Ed got an opportunity to ask him some great questions about some prospects, and you know, just what he thinks about the draft coming up this year. Without me rambling too much longer, I'm going to let Ed and Ian take over. We'd like to welcome Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Who are your sleepers thus far in the NFL draft? Yeah, so that that's a wide-ranging question for sure. But, I mean, it really depends on what you're looking for when you're talking about sleepers. Like, you have guys who are, like, day two sleepers, round one sleepers. You know, I, I like to stick to day two, like those middle-round guys who, who have the potential to rise farther. You could obviously also talk about guys who are way down the board, um, I guess just for our purposes here, I'll give a few of each, right? So uh, guys that would be in the early round mix for me, uh, I, I like a, a few guys on offense. Damian Pierce of Florida, I just scouted him. Uh, he just got invited to the Senior Bowl. So I think looking at his tape, man, like I, he's not the most explosive back, but he's got good footwork. He's kind of got a stout, squatty frame, and he's got good contact balance. Really good receiver out of the backfield. Really good pass blocker. So I look at him, and he's a well-rounded back who, who can provide that utility on all three downs for an NFL offense. So I think, especially at the Senior Bowl, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for him to increase his stock. Um, another guy that, that I really like is a sleeper, and if you follow me on Twitter, you know uh, that this guy is – I'm pretty high on him. Eric Izukanma out of Texas Tech. Uh, he's a really big sleeper who I'm a big fan of, uh, 6'3", 220. I think he's been underutilized a little bit in the Red Raiders offense, but – you know, I look at the traits, and I try to I try to scout the traits over the production. You know, like analytics guys will have those production grades, and I try to factor factor those in. But you know, it's traits above everything for me. And Azukama has it. You know, like he's six three through twenty. Like I said, got a really long, dense frame, uh, but at, at the same time, he's explosive. He's got great lateral agility. Uh, he's got great run after catch ability. Uh, he's got uh, near elite contact balance for a wide receiver. Like he can bounce off the guys and shed arm tackles. And then on top of that, he's a great contested catch threat. He can use his length proactively. So I'm a big fan of his. I think he doesn't get enough hype at this point. Uh, and I'm really excited to see him kind of progress throughout the uh, process because I think people are going to start to build on that. So we'll see. And then uh, I, I guess on the defensive side, of the, well, actually one more offensive guy. Real quick, Dijon Dixon, a nickel state, big fan of him. He's got some upside, so keep an eye on him. Uh, he's a good size, speed, athlete guy who's also got some route running abilities, so he's a fun player. Uh, on defense, Matthew Butler, Tennessee, is a sleeper that I really like. Super explosive defensive tackle. Uh, cornerback, Howard Gordon, uh, I think he's a sleeper for now. He probably won't be for long. He's one of those round one sleepers. I recently wrote him up, and I was personally I was blown away. Because I like Kyler, or I like Trent McDuffie coming into the year. I hadn't really seen much of Gordon yet, but then I watched Gordon and I was like, man, this guy's got it, right? I mean, he was on Feldman's freak list, super athletic, but he's got a really good frame. Uh, he's got great ball skills too, you know, and he's a good processor. So I think he has all the traits. He's going to test through the roof. Uh, I think there's a chance that he could really rise up into the early parts of the NFL draft. So big fan of Kyler Gordon as well. I think those are a few sleepers. I mean, the list goes on and on, but. You know, those are the first guys to come to mind for me. Who's your number one QB? Oh, man. That's a loaded question, man. I mean, I I, I would love to answer just straight up who it is, but there is a little bit of a caveat. If it wasn't for his hand size, it would probably be Kenny Pickett. Uh, And that that, that more speaks to how uncertain the class is than the strength of Pickett's profile. Like, I like Pickett. Don't, Don't get me wrong. I've always been a fan of his. 
I thought he was one of those high upside guys last year, and he decided to come back. And it was a great decision for him because now he's been playing out of his mind this year. I think he's one of the most advanced quarterbacks when you, when you talk about processing, using his eyes, you know, seeing the field, and then using his mechanics too. He's got great mechanics. Um, and he's definitely improved that this year. Like there were, there were times in years past where his mechanics would kind of erode under pressure. You still see a little bit of that, but I think he's one of the most consistent QBs in the class. He's a great athlete. I think he's been to test very well, a lot better than people are expecting. Um, and he's got a good arm too. It's not a great arm. It's not an elite arm in terms of strength, but it's elastic. And, and what I mean by that is he can generate velocity off platform. You know, he can adjust his arm angles. I like that. The big question with him is going to be his hand size. And it seems like a weird thing to have a question about, but it, that is something that has garnered scrutiny in the past with other quarterbacks having like nine inch hands. Uh, report, reports of that ticket is going to have near eight inch hands which is kind of unprecedented. We don't, we, I think, I don't think we've ever seen that from a starting quarterback before. So, you know, there are going to be questions about whether he can grip the football, you know, effectively, you know, and spin it the same way with NFL footballs because they do tend to run a little bit bigger. So that's a question for me. It's not going to take him off my board yet because as far as I've seen at the college level, he can spin it, you know, he can throw and he's a great competitor. He's got great tools and a great mental skill set. But, you know, until I see that he can make that transition, I would probably err on the, on Matt Corral's side for QB1. Matt Corral is another guy. I think he has all the traits. He's a great athlete. Again, really great creator with the football in his hands. He's a great running threat. Um, but he's got a really elastic arm, too. He's got a crisp throwing motion, a tough competitor. And he's made strides this year with his decision-making. Last year, that was one of the biggest knocks is that sometimes he just dish out interceptions because he'd, you know, take a lot of uncharacteristic risks. This year, he's toned those down a little bit. He's been a little more efficient, a little more calculated with his risks, which I'd like to see. Still not a great processor. Can still be a little more consistent in structure. But the, uh, the progression that I've seen is enough for me to say I'd probably have this guy QB1. There are concerns also with his frame and his durability. You know, size isn't a big issue for me as long as you're durable. With Corral, he's had some injury issues, right? So, you know, how are you going to weigh that? It's something that you just kind of have to see if he can project there. But for now, I think it would be between Corral and Pickett for me. I like Willis. I like the traits with him, but he has not shown enough progression this year. Carson Strong, you know, I like him too, but he's not quite as mobile. I don't think he's a liability there. I think he can navigate the pocket. But, again, not quite my QB1. He's got some. He's got a knee injury in, on his history that's going to be a little complicating too. So, you know, and then Sam Howell too. I think he's he's kind of stagnated a bit. I still don't love the decision-making, uh, but he's got good upside. You know, and he's, he's got decent mechanics. I think he's one of those guys who he's kind of stagnated. He's in my top three. You know, he's not my QB1, but he's one of those guys who I'd be fine using a first-rounder on. Uh, but, yeah, if I had to pick right now, it's between Pickett and Corral. I'd air Corral, but if Pickett proves that the hand size isn't an issue – then he can make a bid for it. It's tough. And to be honest with you, like if, uh, if I had another option, like I probably wouldn't pick any of these guys in the top 10. It's not that strong of a QB class up top. You don't have a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. But if I had to pick, that's who it would be. Which QBs do you think will go in the first round? Yeah, so it's that's a tough question. I think you can narrow it down to – probably five options at this point corral and pickett like i mentioned malik willis uh sam howell and then carson strong you know aside from that i I know people there's been hype around desmond ritter i don't see it first round i don't honestly i would probably he's probably a day three guy for me I, i love the traits right but he's really stagnated in terms of his growth since his freshman year i mean he's kind of been the same guy and you talk about well he's got all the upside right if you can just iron out the mistakes but the mistakes have been there for four years, and they haven't really gone away, and they haven't really produced either, you know, right? He's kind of been the same guy, you know, really inconsistent mechanically with his accuracy uh, and then not great with his decision-making quite quite as much either, you know? Like, he's, he's above average there, right? But when your mechanics and your accuracy are so inconsistent, it's kind of a wild card, right? So Ritter, for me, he's got the upside, but there's not enough projected development for me to say, he can definitely fix those issues in the next level. So I wouldn't I wouldn't pick him round one. Phil Jerkovic, Boston College, another guy who maybe has that upside. 
I'm not sure if he'll get there because he wasn't able to play a full season and he's been a little inconsistent. You know, he's definitely his his return has definitely been very meaningful for Boston College. It's great to have him there. He's a competitor. He's got the traits, right? But you know, still hasn't been as consistent as I would like for a round one guy. So I'm I'm still not there with him. I like him. I don't love him. Uh, so I think you, you narrow it down to the five that I mentioned, Corral, Pickett, Strong, Willis, and Howell. And for me personally, I think if I had to pick a guy who's probably the, the most sure thing, it would be Corral uh, to, to go round one. Or maybe maybe either Corral or Howell. Uh, I think Howell's a, a relatively safe guy. You worry about the upside a little bit, but I think he has good upside. Maybe not great, but good. Uh, and then he's got enough of the competitive toughness, enough of the processing. It's just, you know, with him, there's definitely room for improvement in a lot of those areas. But he has a high floor, too. So it's like you'll take what you can get. You worry if he is going to be good enough to elevate your team at the next level. But in this quarterback class, I feel like that's a guy that would draw a lot of attention because, let's face it, there aren't many sure things here. Corral, kind of the same deal, but he's actually he's got more upside than, than Howell, in my opinion. Uh, with him, it's just the injuries. But I think he's going to interview well. He, he definitely has that competitive toughness that teams before. Uh, same thing with Pickett, you know. With him, it's just the hand size. But, again, like I said, aside from that, he's probably the highest floor guy in this class. And he's got good upside, too, from a physical standpoint. Carson Strong, the big thing with him is going to be the knee injury. He had a severe knee injury in high school. And he's, he's fine now, right? But, you know, people look at that and they say maybe that knee won't hold up as well. Uh, against injury in the NFL, right? So you kind of look at that. It's kind of a, a accumulated risk on your roster. So you got to be careful with that. And Carson Strong, aside from that, man, I mean, I like him a lot too. Uh, he's he's good navigating the pocket. He's got pocket poise. Uh, you can see the field well. For a pocket passer, you want them to be able to do those little things well. I think Strong does that. He can navigate the pocket. He sees the field. Uh, he can go through his progressions. He's got a great arm. He can drive it into tight windows. Uh, he does have a little bit of arm arrogance where he's going to try to force it downfield and doesn't always do the safety. And so that can be an issue. But, you know, I think he has the skill set. You look for guys, the, the paradigm is kind of shifting now toward mobile quarterbacks who can create for themselves. But I think Carson Strong, with his arm and with his quick processing, has enough of what you look for in pocket passers if they're going to be successful in the modern NFL. And then with Willis, man, it's it's tough with him. Because I think he has some of the highest upside in this class. It's just a matter of he's, he hasn't quite realized it this year. You know, he, like we thought he was making a few strides earlier. And then he just, man, he really took a dive. I mean, he's been very, very volatile against even, you know, mid-level, you know, low-level opponents, right? I mean, he doesn't really have much consistency in structure. Like, you need those, those off-script traits, that athleticism, that ability to throw off-platform. You need that to withstand adversity at the NFL level. But at the same time, you also need a semblance of consistency in, in structure, right? Like you have to be able to go through your progressions. You've got to be able to stand tall against pressure and not get skittish and, and implode plays by running out of the pocket all the time. And Willis just doesn't do that at a high enough level right now. You know, like he's, he's more of the physical talent, but not nearly refined enough as the quarterback, you know, to, to field, to command an NFL offense. I, I think, you know, if someone likes his traits enough and if he interviews well enough, they can take him at the tail end of round one, let him develop. But I'm still not quite sold on him. Might be a boundary round one, round two guy. Uh, we'll see there. But it's a really uncertain class. I think those are the five you're looking at that have the potential to go round one. What do you think is going to end up happening with Spencer Rattler? I, I, me personally, I think he goes back. I think he transfers. I think that's the best thing for him. Uh, I think it's possible if he did declare someone would take a chance on him maybe day two or day three but I, that's not something i would i would you know put all my chips in for right like you're a talented quarterback he definitely has the physical talent to potentially be around one guy the problem is he didn't realize that this year and in fact he kind of tanked his stock by getting benched right i mean all, all the inconsistencies that he had he didn't iron them out and, and he got kind of he got the hook if you will so uh, i think if you're a rattler I think the best thing for you to do, you know you have the talent. So maybe a change of scenery, find a place where you're going to get an opportunity, find a place where you have a good supporting cast, and go there. You know, put all your chips in for next year's cycle. I think that's the way to do it. If I'm him, you know, there's a chance that the next year's cycle will be a little bit stronger. We know C.J. Stroud, redshirt freshman this year, but he's going to be eligible. And me personally, he would be my runaway QB1 
right now. <laughs> we don't even, we we don't even have to wait on him. Uh, but unfortunately, he's not eligible yet. But so there's going to be a little bit more a little bit more competition for Rattler, I think, if he stays. But you know, I, I think that's the best thing for him because if you're asking me as an NFL evaluator if I'm going to take a chance on on Rattler right now. You know, I, I wouldn't be I I wouldn't be able to commit to that honestly. Like maybe at a certain point in the draft, but not round one. If you're rattler, you're looking at that round one versus round two and round three. That's a lot of money that you're kind of giving up, right? So I think if you have a chance to potentially work your way back to that round one territory, you know, it's a great business business decision for you. You know, you have to make it work, but I'd rather I'd rather take that chance if I have the talent to do it. So. Me personally, that's what I think happens. I think he stays. I think he transfers, and we talk about him in 2023. Which running backs are first round worthy? I think, uh, yeah, that's a fun one. I mean, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of fun guys in the class, and we talk about guys that are round one worthy. For me personally, it narrows it down to three, and that's Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker, and Brees Hall. You could also throw Kyron Williams and Notre Dame in there. I've had him in the first round conversation before. I don't think he's quite there just because, you know, I, I don't think he's a lot there because he's a little smaller, right? He's like 5'9", 195. But I, I do I do love his skill set. He's got good contact balance for his size. He's got great explosiveness and speed. And he's got a good receiving ability, too. I, I, I could I could see him potentially having an Austin Eckler-like impact. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Kyron Williams, and he's a great pass blocker, too. He's probably the one of the best pass blockers in the draft, so... You know, that's something the coaches like, too. But I think when you're looking for a first-round running back, what you want is a complete skill set, right? So you're looking for size, contact balance, explosiveness, instincts, receiving ability. And I think that Isaiah Stiller fits that definition the best. I know He's not overly explosive naturally, but I think he's got enough there. He's pretty agile for his size. He's got really good contact balance. He can bounce off of guys. He's a great natural receiver, too. Uh, so and he's got decent long speed. So I think he's the most complete back in this class. I think Kenneth Walker is the best natural runner, the best pure runner out of the group. And I don't think it's particularly close. I think he's, you know, so he's explosive. He's very very instinctive. He's got elite balance, not just contact balance, but also like yeah, you want him to be able to bounce off the contact. But you also want him to be able to, you know, lean out of his cuts, right? You know, kind of not play upright, play with a little lean, a little balance, be able to kind of pinch those angles a little bit tighter upfield. Walker can definitely do that, man. He's so agile and twitchy, but also balanced and explosive. And then on top of that, he's got great instincts, too. He knows exactly where to go with the ball. You know, if, if there's contact early in the rep, he can improvise really well. So I think that Walker is the most talented creative runner. But uh, I think Isaiah Stiller's receiving ability and even Brees Hall's receiving ability. I mean, we saw that one-handed catch this past weekend, right? I mean, Brees Hall is a very good receiver, too. And then I look at Brees Hall. He doesn't quite have the contact balance that I want for a guy of his size. But, again, he's very explosive. He's fast. And he's very creative and instinctive, too. So, you know, I think he checks a lot of the boxes you want. And I think the receiving ability, the pass-down ability that Spiller and Hall have, may push them over Walker. You know, if you're an NFL coach, if you want them to stay on the field for all three downs, you got to know they can protect your your quarterback if they're going to be tasked with pass blocking. I, I don't quite trust Walker to do that just yet. But, you know, I, I don't dispute it's something that can be developed. So we'll see, if, we'll see if that happens for him. As a pure runner, I love Kenneth Walker. I think he's the best pure runner. But uh, I think Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller kind of closed the gap with their receiving ability. Uh, but those are the three for me. Me personally, I'm not a big running backs around one guy in any situation just because I think the position has been devalued a little bit. It's a little more dependent on the offensive line. But if a guy, if a guy is good enough, if you, have the, if you have the ability, the flexibility to spend that pick on a luxury, then go ahead and do it. I think those are the three guys that would stand out to me. Do you like Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave better? Ooh, this is a fun one. <laughs> this, this has been a, a hotly contested one all off season, all season. It seems like I've got Garrett Wilson a little bit higher. Garrett Wilson is actually my wide receiver one. Uh, Chris Olave is he's in my top ten. 
Uh, it's really contested group, man. I mean, I, I, me personally, I have guys like Drake London, Traylon Burks, Jameson Williams. I have those guys over Olave, and that's not a slight on Olave. I just, you know, I really like this class up top. But with with Wilson and Olave specifically, those two, I think they're both very explosive, fast receivers. I think Olave's top end speed is better than Wilson's, which you know, top end speed is definitely important. Uh, I think he's a very good in terms of the instincts of the catch point. Uh, we saw it this past weekend, that one crazy catch on the sideline. Olave has great body control, great ball tracking ability, um, and he can haul those in, right? But I think when you're tasked with, with making those plays amidst contact in contested situations, so if there's like a defender on you, I trust Garrett Wilson a lot more. I, I think he can withstand contact a lot better. I think in those tight spaces, he has much better focus. He's got better hands. And then on top of that, he's he's also a great vertical athlete who could track the ball and contort, right? So, you know, I trust Garrett Wilson more at the catch point than I do Olave. Now, Olave's style kind of dictates that he doesn't get contested opportunities a lot. Like, he can separate really well. So, right, that kind of mitigates the risk. Uh, but Wilson can separate, too. Eventually, in the NFL, you're going up against elite athletes. Sometimes you're going to be in contested situations even if you can separate, right? So, to be prepared for that, I think Garrett Wilson prepares you a little bit better for that. And then I also I also think Garrett Wilson is a better run-after-catch threat. I think he's a very, very twitchy athlete, side-to-side, great lateral agility. Uh, he's got some contact balance, too. So it, at the catch point and after the catch point, I think Garrett Wilson kind of takes the cake. I think Chris Olave, they're both very good route runners with, with that technical ability. Uh, they've both shown they can use deception, use their athletic ability to separate uh, but I just, as a as a three-level threat, that's kind of the term I like to use, you know, before the catch, at the catch, and after the catch. I, I like Garrett Wilson better. I think he's the better receiver prospect. I like them both. I, I'd consider taking both in round one, but Garrett Wilson is safely uh, higher on my board. Is Kayvon Thibodeau worth taking number one? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, I, I don't think it's that much of a question to be honest with you. And, you know, like, there's definitely room for him to improve his hand usage and stuff like that. But I think you look at his physical traits, it doesn't take long for them to pop off the screen. I mean, when I first watched him earlier in the offseason, I was blown away. I mean, this guy moves like a gazelle at 6'5", 250. He's just so explosive. But, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a violent explosiveness. It's like an effortless explosiveness. Like, he just covers ground so easily and so efficiently. It's just insane. I mean, I, I don't understand it. And then his frame, like, it looks a little leaner for 250, but he's got elite length, and he can leverage that length and his explosiveness into devastating power at the point of attack. He can drive guys back, man. So, you know, having that power capacity with that explosiveness, with that flexibility, that length, you know, and he's been developing his hand usage. It's getting better. You know, it's still got a, a little bit of a ways to go. But, you know, from a physical standpoint, I mean, the guy can be dominant. He's got a dominant skill set. And so, me personally, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I, I can understand if you're an NFL evaluator. I can understand if maybe you'd like Aiden Hutchinson a little bit better because, again, Hutchinson, he's also a very good athlete. He's got great hands. Uh, and he's got a, a super hot motor, too. So, I can see some people liking Hutchinson more, to be honest with you. But, you know, Thibodeau, from an athletic, physical standpoint, there's really no match for him in this class. I mean, he's kind of a unique, uh, a very unique player, kind of a unicorn in that aspect. So I really like Thibodeau. I think the physical potential is enough for me to say, you know, and he's definitely delivered on it. He's been very productive. Uh, so that's enough for me to say. I really, you know, I can take this guy number one overall. I think he's got blue chip potential. What do you think of the safety class? And I mean, yeah, outside, I, of, I love- outside of Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, obviously, outside of Kyle Hamilton, right? I mean, he's kind of the number one guy for everyone, so it kind of goes without saying. Um, But, yeah, outside of him, I like it a lot, too. You know, I think you look at guys like Daxon Hill, Jordan Battle, Jaquan Brister, Brandon Joseph, uh, Lewis Seen out of Georgia. You know, I, I think there are a lot of guys at the top that have potential to be really premier playmakers for their teams and, you know, a lot of versatility, too. You know, that's another thing I like, especially with the safety position, you kind of look for versatility because in the modern NFL, 
it's a position that you need to be able to do more and more. Like you need to be versatile on any given rep. You need like maybe you need to come into the slot. Maybe you need to rotate single high because they're rotating a blitz to the left side or something like that. So you need to be able to do a lot of things. You need to be adaptable. And I, I think that this class is a lot of very good players in that respect. I think Jaquan Brisker, he's got a die scouted earlier today, and I was really impressed with him. He's going to be a top 30 player on my board probably. Uh, but he's he's a very good player. Uh, and then Jordan Battle, this guy I liked in the summer, Daxon Hill, has been very good this year. And he's a guy in particular that has that great versatility. I mean, you talk about, you know, athleticism. He ran a 4.3 and had a 43.6-inch vertical in high school. So elite athlete, elite, elitist of the elite. And then he can line up in the slot. He's got very fluid hips, so he can basically be a slot corner. But then he, he also has the range to play single high. So and then he's he's flashed great ball skills. He's really improved competing at the catch point this year. So, you know, I, I look at that. I think there's a lot of different flavors in this class, which is great. Um, I think whatever you need, if you're looking for that rangy, hard hitting guy, you can go with Scene. If you're looking for that versatile, all round playmaker, you go with uh, you can go with Jaquan Brisker. If you're looking for the athletic freak, that chess piece, you know, Daxon Hill is a guy like that. If you're looking for a strong safety who's got good instincts, good route recognition, Jordan Battle. Uh, if you're looking for, you know, energetic, high-motor, smaller guy who can lay the wood downhill, Jalen Catalan. I mean, he's got he's to improve his tackling a little bit, but, but the, the talent is there, right? And then you go farther down the board, you've got a lot of depth with guys like uh, Leon O'Neal, Veron McKinley, Tyke Smith, um, Kendrick Duncan, Quentin Lake, range you got for UCLA. Uh, and the list goes on. Yusuf Corker, Kentucky, A.J. Finley, Ole Miss, J.T. Woods, Baylor, uh, Chamari Connor, slot guy for Virginia Tech. I mean, there's so many different molds, so many different styles. Uh, I, I love the, the the sheer depth of this class, too, but then also the top-end talent. I think it's a very deep class with top-end talent, and it's one of the strongest positions, honestly. I mean, you look at edge, wide receiver, uh, and then there's corner as well. But I think safety is near the top of that in terms of the strongest position. I really like the group that's coming out, uh, and not just top end, but also depth. I think you can find guys later on. So check all the boxes for me. Me personally, I, I love the safety class. Who's your favorite player in this draft? Oh, my goodness. That's uh, that's tough, man. That's like trying to choose a, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm blanking on an analogy, but that's that's tough. Me personally? I don't know. I'll give you a few candidates because I can't. I can't narrow it down to one. I wish I could, but I can't. Uh, Eric Azukanwa has to be one of them from Texas Tech. I know I mentioned him earlier as a sleeper, but yeah, I think this guy has it all. And every time I watch him, I'm trying to like temper my expectations, right? But I always come away impressed. Um, he's got great explosiveness, ladder agility. That's six foot three, two twenty pound frame. He's got contact balance. I love receivers that have contact balance man i mean if you can take those short passes and get run after the catch yards that that's really that's that's part of the modern nfl right is like getting your playmakers into space and letting them work with that i think Ezukanma does that really well and does it way better than you'd expect a 6'3 220 pound guy to do it so i'm a big fan of his i think he'll be a better nfl player than a college player i think he'll be a more productive nfl player than a college player so i'm a big fan of his uh, probably Michigan edge David Ajabo is another one. He came out of nowhere. And I, I live in Michigan, so one of my buddies, he's a Michigan fan, he's like, hey, David Ajabo, keep an eye on this guy. And I did, and you know what? He, he exploded. I didn't expect him to explode anywhere near what he's done so far this year, but he's definitely one of my favorite players. Now, you know, I, I still have Hutchinson higher, but I have both guys in my top 25. And Ojabo is just a freak, man. I mean, he's super explosive. Like another 6'5", 250 guy, but I think he's a little more densely built than Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, I, I think he's got great lateral agility, has a has a really wicked spin move, got a ghost move. He's got great flexibility. Uh, I mean, he's, he's shown he can generate power, too. So, And then the other thing that I really like about Jabo is that we've seen week to week, we've seen him progress more and more. I mean, every week he's got a different hand move that he's using. So I look at that and I'm saying, we can project legitimate progression for him. And that's really exciting projecting to the next level. Cause you're like, this guy's clearly trending up. Uh, so, so we're going to kind of capitalize on that. Right. So he's got a ton of upside. I love David Ajabo. 
the one more guy. I mentioned him earlier, too, in my sleepers, the Coward Gordon. Again, I was blown away by this guy. Uh, he's explosive, twitchy, fluid, uh, competitive, very physical, uh, and then six foot 200, so he's got a thick frame for corner. But it, he's also got great ball skills, too. He can rise. He can make plays on the ball. He can track it. I love seeing that playmaking ability in cornerbacks. And then on top of that, he's a sticky cover man, super physical. So he, he checks all the boxes. For me, he's the top three corner in the class. And that's saying a lot because you look at guys like Andrew Booth, Derek Stingley, uh, Trent McDuffie, Kyrie Elam. This is a stacked class up top. And I think Kyler Gordon belongs in that discussion. So he's one of my other favorite players. I'm sure there are others. Kenneth Walker, you know, unashamedly, I'm a Michigan State fan. So but I stay objective with my draft evaluation. He's not my running back one because he's not a great pass blocker or receiver out of the backfield. But, you know, his his sheer running style is so fun to watch. So I'm a big fan of his as well. So there's a lot of guys, man. I mean, I could rattle off names for hours, honestly. But you asked for one, and I already gave you four. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it before I get too carried away. Last question is, what's your favorite team and who do you think they draft? Um, I'm a Lions fan. I'm kind of like a Lions-Washington football team hybrid. I got my start with Washington, so, you know, I have a little soft spot for them. So, um, they've they both been a little rough in years past. So I'm hoping they draft someone like that, that makes an impact. That's the biggest thing, right? So, I think that, you know, Detroit is interesting because they have two first-round picks. Uh, I, I think right now they're projected to have the number one overall pick, and then they're also projected to have, I think, 27. It's in the late 20s or something. So me personally, I would love Detroit to get Kalon Thibodeau with that first pick. Uh, he's my top overall player. I think if you're Detroit, you literally just need more blue-chip talent, and getting Kayvon Thibodeau kind of ensures that you get that. I'd be fine with Kyle Hamilton too, but safeties kind of have – I don't know. It's weird. The positional value for safeties – for some reason, the NFL doesn't view them as highly, so they tend to slip down the board a little bit. So I think we might not see Hamilton go off the board until near the 10th pick at the earliest, personally. I mean, there's a chance he goes earlier, but I don't know. NFL teams are just weird about that. I don't agree with it. I think he should be a top-five pick, but, you know, that's how it is sometimes. But Kayvon would be great for Detroit. And then farther down the board, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of players I'd like. I know they kind of have to go with the quarterback. If it's me, you kind of have to, which it's tough because I don't love this quarterback class. But if you've seen Jared Goff play this year, he's not the answer. And it's almost detrimental to keep him in there because the offense can't even function. So, you know, I think at this point, just get that young guy in the system. If Corral is still on the board at that point, would love that. You know, I'd be fine with Pickett or Willis or Strong or Howell. I'd be fine with those guys. Give them a chance at least. There is a lot of uncertainty, though, so I'd also be fine if they passed it over and got a receiver, I think a wide receiver. Like, there's a lot of guys. I love this class up top, man. I mean, you can get Jahan Dotson, Jameson Williams, Drake London, Traylon Burks. Any of those guys would be home runs for me at that pick. Chris, Chris Olave, I don't think Wilson is there still, but if he's there, I would run to the podium. So any of those receivers, get that receiving core strengthened up because – I love the Monroe St. Brown. He's one of my favorite players of last year. But the Lions, he's not enough. They need more, right? So get, you know, kind of capitalize on this very strong receiver class. If I'm Washington, I would probably go with the quarterback. I think they're projected to pick in the middle of the first round. And, you know, I get it. Taylor Heineke, he's had his moments. He's been a good, you know, he's been a good spot starter. But you look at his arm, it's very clear it's not an NFL arm. You know, like, like he, he's a good backup but he can't drive the ball into those tight windows. He can't generate easy velocity. And, you know, when he has to go off script, that's where that kind of becomes an issue, right? Because if you take those risks, you know, you need to have an NFL arm to take certain risks, right? If you don't, if you don't have the velocity to force it in, then you risk getting picked off. And we've seen that with Taylor Heineke. I, I don't think he quite has the upside to remain the starter. You know, I think he can be a great backup. But if you're Washington, you have a roster that's almost ready to compete right now. I would probably, I would probably want to send that on a quarterback, right? So, if Matt Corral is still there, I think he's a very good fit for Scott Turner's offense. Um, he's the one I feel most comfortable about because of his mobility, his off-script ability. But you know, there's other guys too. I mean, we'll see. I, it, but if I'm Washington, you can't risk staying in quarterback purgatory for Taylor Heineke. If he had up, if he had more upside, I'd be up for it. But his arm is not, 
you know, it, it's below average for an NFL starter. So I look at that and I say, you know, it, this is great, but I'm not sure the success that they're having with him, which they haven't really been successful. They've been four and six. They've been four and five with him as a starter. So, you know, I'm not sure that's sustainable. And I'm not sure you, you want to shoot for 500, right? I mean, you should try and get a guy who has more talent. So that's what I would do from Washington. Don't waste any more time. Try and get that quarterback position down. Ian, can you tell us where you can find your work? Yes, you can, you can find my profile at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. Uh, I got a draft profile thread at the top of my Twitter account where I just kind of post new profiles every so often. Uh, so you can follow that. You can check that out. Uh, Pro Football Network, the site that I write for. We got a lot of great guys. Ali, you got Cam, you got James. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's a great site. Uh, PFN 365 at PFN 365 is where you can find that on Twitter. Uh, we got new content coming in every day. So yeah, that's that's where you can find me. That's where you can find my work. And uh, really excited to keep churning it out as the draft season progresses. Ian, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Once again, folks, that was Ian Cummings. Uh, I really appreciate you taking your time out to be on the show this week. Hopefully we can get you again on soon. That was that was one of the best interviews I think we've had on here in a while. So uh, I really appreciate you taking your time out, Ian. Alrighty, folks, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Blitzcast. And I know this one was a little bit unique just because of everything we have going on with the holidays. We just wanted it, uh, everybody to spend some quality time with the family. And uh, I want you guys to make sure that you're doing that as well. Um, but like I said earlier in the show, most importantly, you're watching some football. Um, but no, seriously, I want you everybody to have a fantastic Thanksgiving and um, keep an eye out on that AFC playoff race. Still, it's it's getting it's looking a lot different than it was four weeks ago. I mean, the the Patriots have a serious chance to take over that Buffalo Bills spot in the AFC East. So um, look out for that. The AFC North is still wide open. So that that's that's just something I can't keep my eye off of. Um, and I, I don't think you guys should either. It's it's wide open right now. Maybe Ed and I will be talking about that sometime soon, but we'll we'll be back at it again like normal next week. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Blitzcast, and have a fantastic Thanksgiving.